And all my life you 
will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. He's been so good all my life. All my life I'll sing your praises, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God is good. <laughs> I know I keep saying that, but it's true. And sometimes when something's true, you just got to keep repeating it, right? It's better than repeating the lies of the enemy, which tell you, tell you other things other than God is good. Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. Would you give a hand clap of appreciation for our team this morning? <laughs> so thankful for them coming together and leading worship today. And uh, would you be in prayer for Pastor Brad? Pastor Brad is uh, stuck in the snow. No, he's not. He, he's not stuck. He's just playing in the snow this morning. But uh, he sent me a little video of him and Maverick running through the snow. They're they're in Maryland in the Assembly of God Potomac District uh, this week, and uh, Pastor Brad is leading worship for a youth conference up there for the Assembly of God. So, so pretty awesome opportunity that he gets on occasion. Uh, I believe he he did it last year. He, he's doing it this year as well, and it's a it's a great time uh, for him and his family. Um, the district youth director for that uh, area is actually Pastor Brad's brother-in-law. Um, so he, he not only gets to go up and spend some time in ministry, but he also gets to go up and, and hang out with family. So he's, he's excited about that. And, uh, so just pray for him and Dana and Maverick for safe travels back and, and, uh, and also baby on board, the baby to be named. So that one, pray for them as, as they travel. Amen. So guys, we have been in a series for the last few weeks uh, for January, which is called Remission. And Remission is, is talking about just taking another look at our mission here at Redemption Point coming into a new year. So we wanted to kind of reiterate and look at what God has called us to do here. So the first thing that we do uh, in remission is that we reach the lost. So the first sermon, uh, the first portion of the month was all about reaching the lost and reaching uh, those who don't know Christ. And then the second week, we were blessed to have missionary Dan Lumadu with us. And Dan came in and spent some time with us talking about his mission to Japan. And then he also brought a fantastic word uh, in due season when he was here. So he spoke and, and preached as well, and it was a great Sunday. And then uh, we moved into restore the hurting. And restoration is something that's near and dear to my wife's heart. Uh, because we served in restoration of marriage ministry before we ever uh, served in pastoral ministry. So uh, restoring the hurting is our second portion of the mention uh, of our mission. But that being said, I want to uh, make mention today that there are some dear, dear friends of ours that are sitting with Jess over here on the front row. And I, I want to introduce to you Mr. Gary and Juanita Thayer. And uh, yeah, give it up for them this morning. So Gary and Juanita have been mentors to Jessica and I in marriage ministry for over the last decade, uh, longer than a decade now. Uh, they have been mentors in our lives. Uh, if you are blessed by Jess and I serving as your pastor, it's in part because of 
the times and, and moments that we've had to them that they have fed into our life. Uh, if you have not been blessed by our time as pastors, it's their fault too. So I just, <laughs> just wanted to share that today. No, no um, uh, we served, we have the privilege to serve the last decade in Marriage Restored, which is an Assembly of God ministry for hurting marriages. We served underneath uh, Gary and Juanita Thayer uh, for the last decade. And after 20 years of them leading the nationwide ministry, Marriage Restored, uh, they have retired this year. Uh, so they are... They are still involved and participating. They've just retired and passed, uh, passed the scepter uh, to the next leaders, the national leaders for Marriage Restore. But they are uh, traveling around and uh, spending some time with the team. And I hope it's not the last time you're going to travel and spend time with us. But, uh, but they have been doing that this year as their, their plan. So uh, yesterday we took a trip that ended up uh, crazy. I mean, it, it, it did. <laughs> we, we expected one thing. We took a trip up to visit with some folks, and Gary and I ended up on a backwoods horseback riding trip. <laughs> so we weren't dressed for it. We weren't ready for it. Uh, but we ended up on this trip and rode some horses uh, most of the day yesterday and took these horses through water, you know, and, and uh, it, was, it was a pretty wild time. But both of us, if we're walking a little funny today when you see us... Uh, you know, you know why we, we spent a lot of time on some horses that we weren't used to yesterday, but we had, we had fun. So restoring the hurting is the second part, part of our mission here at Redemption Point. And the third part is to help people find their redemptive purpose in God. Uh, how many of you know that is so important? How many of you know that God redeemed you for a purpose? God didn't just redeem you to sit. He didn't just redeem you to sit back and just ponder and think about being redeemed. He, he didn't redeem you to sit back and write deep theological papers on what it means to be redeemed. He, he redeemed you for a purpose. And that purpose is to get to work for him, right? So he redeemed you uh, for a purpose. Last week, we really dove in uh, to the redemption portion as we talked about the book of Hosea and talked about the relationship between Hosea and Gomer and and how Hosea, a prophet, a known prophet in his time, God asked to marry a known prostitute in his time. So a known prophet married a known prostitute under the direction of God so that God could explain to the people in, in easy terms what it looks like when they worship other, other beings other than him. Uh, when they worship false gods and when they worship uh, demonic beings, God wanted to show them what it looked like, that it looked like, because uh, he knew that Gomer, after she married Hosea, would return back to her old lifestyle, right? So last week, we really dug into what that looked like and how her sin took her further than she ever wanted to go. Uh, Gomer, we talked about that name, Gomer, and how weird that was, but it's a, it wasn't weird back then, but it's only weird now because of Gomer Pyle, and we, we, we talked about that, uh, but we talked about how she returned to her sin, and at first it was just folly, right? How many of you know when you return to your folly, it'll take you further than you thought you would go? So she returned to her folly first, and then uh, she ended up returning back into prostitution, and then that led her into slavery, how many of you know when you play with your sin long enough and you play with situations in your life long enough, it will eventually return you to slavery? So God has redeemed each and every one of you in here today. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he's redeemed you for purpose in your life. But if you play with folly, you will end up back in chains like you were uh, before he redeemed you. 
right? Now listen, the awesome thing is, is that if you cry out to him, he will come redeem you again. Amen. Because God, God will not leave you if you cry out to him and repent of your sins and ask him to come back into your life. He will redeem you and pull you right back out of that mess again, which is what Hosea did for Gomer. We talked about how Gomer was, was in chains and Gomer was on an auction block. And she had been gone from Hosea for quite a while. And, and I, I, I kind of in my studies have figured that Hosea was the one raising the kids by himself and taking care of the kids and she had been gone from Hosea for quite a while and ended up on the auction block and then Hosea got word that Gomer is on the auction block but Gomer has been used and abused and probably will be again and he went to that site of the auction and he paid full price for his wife and he redeemed her amen and now maybe you know that is what Jesus did for us. Jesus paid full price. Jesus didn't get you at a discount, church. Some of you feel like you were in a bargain bin, right? Like those DVDs at Walmart. You feel like you were in a bargain bin and, and people were just squeezing through trying to find you. And, uh, and people feel like that at times, like you were a bargain bin. But do you know that even if you felt like or were acting like you were in a bargain bin, that Jesus still paid full price for you? That's something to be excited about today. Amen. He, he paid it all. Amen. So we're grateful for that. So this week we're jumping into part two, which is finding your purpose in redemption. So if you would open up to the, to the book of Ruth for me. We're going to dive in uh, to Ruth. I'm not going to read Ruth in its entirety, but we are going to skip around between the chapters. Uh, Katie, I may not have put chapter four in there, but would you throw it in for me? Is it in there? Okay, good. I thought maybe I had left that chapter out. So we're, we're not going to use the whole chapter, but I may dig into a little bit of that. So we are in the book of Ruth today, diving into Redeemer. How many of you are really familiar with the book of Ruth? Right, quite quite a few people, especially in women's ministry. In women's ministry, Ruth has been studied uh, quite a bit, and um, it, it, these are these are it's, it's one of those books that has the most divine love story, right? So, so a lot of times we see uh, singles conferences and single women, and they they want to have a love story like Ruth had, right? They want a Boaz to come into their life. So I want to dive in to Ruth in, in a little different perspective today, although we are going to talk a little bit about the love story between her and Boaz. We're, we're going to dive into it from a generational perspective. We're going to dig into a generational perspective on how Ruth got redeemed and the purpose of her redemption. So we're going to dive into that. So we open up in the book of Ruth, and uh, if you're still turning there, it's okay. I'm going to give you a few more moments before we start reading. We're going to start reading in verse 6. But as we open up in the book of Ruth, we see there's a great famine across the land. And it's not only affecting uh, uh, Moab, which is where uh, they're living in the moment, but it's also affecting Israel. So there's a, there's a great famine across the land. And we see Naomi and Elimelech from Bethlehem move to Moab, right? Now, that is interesting uh, because Elimelech and Naomi were, were Jews from Bethlehem in, in the lineage of Judah. And they uh, end up 
uh, living in Moab, which is a different country, which comes from the lineage of Lot. How many of you remember when Abraham and Lot parted ways, right? So the Moabites were started through incest. Uh, it was started through sin, and they served a god uh, named uh, Chemoth. Is that how you pronounce that? Chemoth. They, they served a god named Chemoth uh, during that time, which was not the Lord of Israel. How many of you know that uh, maybe Elimelech uh, may have moved his family uh, from the frying pan into the fire? Right, so there was, a, there was a famine. He picks up his family and moves them to Moab, which is directly across the Dead Sea. So you have the Dead Sea, you have uh, uh, Bethlehem over here, you have the Dead Sea, and you have Moab over here. So it was directly across the Dead Sea, and he moves his family there. So they, they end up living in Moab with their two sons, Malon and Chilion. And these two sons, after, and then Elimelech dies. So he takes his family, moves them to a foreign land who is not worshiping their God, and then he dies. And then Naomi is left in the moment with her two sons in a foreign land. But how many of you say, at least she had her two sons, right? At least she had Malon and Chilion, right? So then, uh, during this time, Malon and Chilion take wives, which are Orpha and Ruth. So these two Moabite women come into the family... And then shortly after that, the Bible doesn't say how long. The Bible doesn't give us uh, much of a timeline there. But later after that, Malon and Chilion die. So Elimelech dies. And then the two sons die. And then Naomi, the mom, is left with two Moabite daughters-in-laws living away from her people in the land of Moab across the Dead Sea. Uh, from everything that she knows and holds dear. She finds herself in this moment. So this is where we pick up in verse 6. Uh, she, then she, and she was, was uh, Naomi, arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Uh, now, it, it, it's uh, interesting that Bethlehem means the house of bread, right? And the Lord visited his people in a famine, and they, she heard all the way in Moab that her people had bread. They were still struggling in Moab and dealing with issues, but she heard all the way there that they had bread uh, all the way over in Bethlehem. So therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And how many of you know that Naomi probably wasn't completely in her right mind in this moment? Right? We, we read this scripture, and, and sometimes when we read the stories of the Bible, and, uh, and we're talking about the, the people found in the stories of the Bible, we read it in such a way, like almost like they're perfect. Like, like they're dealing with, they're just handling business and dealing with things, and, and they're dealing, but how many of you know that Naomi was a, was a wife and a mother, just like anybody here that's ever lost a child or lost a husband or lost a spouse, right? So she was dealing with struggles during that season. She had lost her husband. And then on top of her husband had lost two sons. So she was struggling mentally and struggling in her heart. And it says that Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go return each to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she's saying, I'm done. I'm over with. My life is, 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 is just a mess. You don't need to stay with me. You two just go on. 
right? Go on back to your households. Go on back to your false gods. Go on back and marry a husband servant of false god. Go on back and deal with uh, whatever in life because it just leave me alone, right? Is basically what she's saying it, although she's saying it in a very nice way. She's saying, I'm a mess. I'm done for. Leave me alone and go back along the way. So she kissed them and lifted up and, and they lifted up their voices and wept. How many of you know that must have been a good mother-in-law for those daughters to want to return to a land that they didn't know? And then when she told them to leave and go back and kiss them goodbye, they lifted up their voices and wept. Man, what a woman Naomi must have been. What a woman that she was. And in this moment, her daughters-in-laws did not want to leave her side. They lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi again, in her grief and in her sorrow, said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. And even if I should have some hope, If I should have a husband all of a sudden, some magical way tonight, and then in my age, bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? She's saying, there is no way possible if you follow me that it will end well for you. She said, there's nothing that I can give you. How many of you know she was limiting God? in that moment and in her grief she was limiting the work of the lord in that moment right she said would you restrain yourselves from having husbands no my daughters for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the lord has gone out against me then she started blaming god for her troubles and she started saying it was the lord's fault that they found themselves where they did and then uh she said look and then i'm sorry they lift up their voices wept again and orpah kissed her mother-in-law but Ruth clung to her I want you to underline or highlight that little sentence in all of that scripture if you don't already have it highlighted or underlined if you're in a digital bible just click on it and hit a color yellow you know and just just highlight that for a moment because that was a moment of decision for both of these women these men these women had a moment of decision in that moment Orpha kissed her mother-in-law but Ruth clung to her what does it mean that she kissed her mother-in-law it means she was kissing her goodbye she was returning back to what she had known previously but Ruth clung to her there was two different decisions that came with two different outcomes in these women's lives and she said look your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods return after your sister-in-law but Ruth said, and this is one of the, the, the famous scriptures of the Bible, when we talk about deep, endearing, loyal friendship, and when we talk about uh, sticking, sticking closer than a brother, we talk about any of that kind of stuff, this is one of those scriptures. Ruth says to her mother-in-law, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you, for wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge. I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death departs you and me. How would you like to have somebody in your life 
that spoke those kind of words to you. Amen. How would you like to have somebody in your life who just clings to you and says, no, I'm, I am called to you. Where you go, I'm going to go. Oh, I recognize and I realize there will be struggles. Oh, I recognize and realize it's not going to be easy. I also recognize and realize that there's going to be sacrifice involved. But I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to stick with you. What Ruth was saying in that moment is, I'm going to take care of you. I know that you are lost and alone and I've lost your husband and your two sons. And I am not going to be a loss to you also. So she said she's going to stick with her. Now, Ruth's decision to follow not only Naomi, but to stick with the Lord and not return to the false gods in Moab, but to stick with the Lord, uh, it, it creates an atmosphere of purpose that begins to snowball in her life. It was an atmosphere of purpose that begins to snowball in her life and bring her blessings and bring her notoriety. Right? Ruth was an unknown before she made that decision. Ruth was an unknown before she decided, no, Naomi, I'm sticking with you. I am following you. I'm going where you're going. Right? She was an unknown until she came into that moment and made that decision. And now she has a book of the Bible named after her. And we're talking about her thousands of years later. And we're sitting in, in, in church this morning discussing her life because of a decision she made. Do you believe me, church, that your decisions carry weight in your life? Your decisions carry such weight, and decisions you make determine whether or not thousand years from now, if we're still here, if the Lord tarries, I hope he don't, but if the, if the Lord tarries, a thousand years from now, whether your lineage and your genealogy look back on who you were and the decisions that you made in your life. Not many of us can look back on our genealogy today and say, you know, there was this one time and this one person who was way back in my line who made this decision and it affected our entire family. Most of us don't even know who our people are past a few generations. That's because it's rare for people to change the course of their generations. It may be rare in today's day and age for us, but it is not impossible when we serve the Lord. Amen. That you and me today can make decisions that affect generations. We can make decisions that affect our children and decisions that affect our grandchildren and decisions that affect our grandchildren's children. Amen. Because we stick with the Lord and what the Lord has to say in our life. Hallelujah. Your decisions create an atmosphere of purpose that alters your life. There's been times in my life where decisions have altered my life for the bad. There's been times I've made decisions and I've saw the, the fallout from those decisions in a bad way in my life. And then there's been moments of consequence where I've been on my knees praying. Moments of consequence where I turned and repented from past decisions. And moments that I decided, Lord, I'm sticking with you. I'm not going to try to do it on my own. I'm not going to try to continue to make decisions on my own. I'm not going to continue to try to follow the world and follow the crowd. But in this moment, no matter what's coming against me, God, I am sticking with you today. And when I have made those decisions, it has altered my life for good. And because I made those decisions, then in my, in my general family line, I'm the only preacher. 
after my dad, but my dad quit and gave up because it was too hard, because the world came against him. And before my dad died, he said to me, he said, son, you keep going and you do what God has called you to do because... He said, you are my redemption for what I did wrong. He said, you're my second chance. This is how how much my dad meant that statement to me. Is that on his deathbed, knowing he only had a couple of months to live, he said to me, go to Uruguay and preach the gospel. And if one person gets saved, then it'll be worth it for you to be there instead of being here. And he said that to me. And I went. And many got saved and many got healed. And I preached 13 times in nine days and every time there was hundreds at the altar. And people's lives were impacted and changed because my dad blessed me to go instead of clinging on to me and asking me to stay. He blessed me to go in people's lives were changed. And can I tell you that, that I believe that we're going to see when we get to heaven how decisions that we made for the Lord impacted generations of other people. And we're going to see that come back. And I'm believing that over the next years that there's going to be people from Uruguay walking up to my dad and saying, thank you. Because you blessed him to go. He was obedient to preach the gospel, and I received the Lord there and never looked back. That the, the same will be for you if you do what the Lord has asked you to do, if you continue to walk hand in hand with him, if you continue to do what your purpose of redemption is. Amen? So Ruth had a purpose that was going to play out over the next 42 generations out of the next 42 generations Ruth, Ruth's purpose played out there was a, a sh how many of you know there's a short term purpose in your life and there's a long term purpose in your life there's, there's things that you do spiritually and decisions you make that affect those around you in the short term right? there's decisions that you make that affect how somebody else may react tomorrow Right? It's in the short term. But then there's decisions that you make that will carry out for generations in your family. Choosing and, and, and deciding that, that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to stay stick close to the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to pray and we're going to serve God and we're not going to we're not going to betray Him. And, and and making those decisions, even though if you see your children for a season, step away from that. 
And you may see your children for a season walk away from God. But the Bible says that in their, in their, in their old age, they will return to him because of what they first known. And I believe wholeheartedly that, that as parents, we can do all that we can do. But then we trust the Lord with his promises. Amen. Then we trust him with what the word says. We do what we can do, and then we trust him. Amen. How many of you know that you, you need to be trusting for those, those, those loved ones of yours who have walked away from God? Those that you want to see return to God with a fervor and a fire back in their belly. You long for that, but we have to trust him with the process. Amen. That's one of the hardest things to do. Let's pick up in, in Ruth chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, so there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. What does that mean? It means he was a kinsman to Ruth. He was a kinsman. He was a relative to Naomi. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. She's saying, we need food. We don't have food. We don't have husbands to provide. So allow me to go in the fields and just kind of pick up what's left. And hopefully whoever owns that field will have favor on me and allow me to keep what I pick up and bring home so that we can eat. Right? He said, hopefully they'll have favor on me. She said, whoever in whom sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Then she left. And she went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come, how many of you know, just so happened, right? Just so happened. How many of you had moments in your life that just so happened, right? I don't even know, I don't even know how I ended up where I ended up. You know, I was going one direction, ended up here, it just so happened, right? How many of you know God has a plan? God has a plan for your life. So it just so happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who is charge of his reapers. This is, this is what he said. He said, who is that young woman over there? <laughs> See, we could read that straight and just say, and Boaz said to his servants, who happens to be that young woman? But, but, but I know men. <laughs> Mostly because I am one. And Boaz said, um, excuse me, I haven't seen her before. Who is that young woman over there? Right? So how many of you know the Lord caused Boaz to find favor in Ruth, and he saw Ruth working in the fields. How many of you know if she was working in her fields, she wasn't all dolled up? She probably just didn't come from the salon with her hair did and her nails done, right? She wasn't all dolled up. She was working in the fields, sweaty, dirty. And then he took notice of her. How many of you know the Lord caused him in that moment to take notice? Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Take note of that sentence. This is her decision that we underlined earlier coming back in the story. The decision that she made earlier came back in the story. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, uh, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field. 
I mean, you know, Boaz didn't want anybody else taking notice of Ruth. He didn't want anything to happen to Ruth, both bad or good, unless it was him. He, did, he, he said, do not glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face and bowed down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I'm nothing but a lowly foreigner? Ruth considered herself a bargain bin find in that moment. She said, Why would you take notice of me? I'm filthy, I'm dirty, I've been working in the fields all day. I don't look like the type of woman in this moment that you, the master of the field, would take notice of. Why are you taking notice of me? Because on top of all of that, I'm a Moabite. On top of all of that, I'm not even from here. And Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me. It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before and he said the lord repay your work and a full reward to be given you by the lord god of israel under whose wings you have come for refuge so he recognized and heard full report of what she had done for naomi he heard full report of all that she had done to take care of her mother-in-law when it wasn't in her charge to do so. She could have very simply, just like Orpha, left and went on about her life and lived in Moab and let her mother-in-law go off somewhere and die, but she didn't. She stuck by her side and she stuck by the Lord's side, and because of that, the person who needed to take notice of her and the person who needed to know what she did had already heard and got a full report about who she was when it came to that moment of crossroad and that moment of life change for Ruth. He already heard and already know. How many of you know that you, when you serve the Lord, your reputation precedes you? When you serve the Lord, when you get to a moment that the Lord has ordained for you to receive blessing or receive a favor or receive something in your life, when you have served the Lord, your, your reputation goes before you and the right people hear about what you've done at the right time so that the Lord could use them to bless you. These are, these are times in our lives when we stick close to the Lord, He will open the doors. Amen. You don't have to go around opening your doors. He will open the doors for you. In this moment, this, this young woman made a decision to follow her mother-in-law to a foreign land, knowing good and well that she would probably never have a husband again. Knowing good and well that she was just going to take care of Naomi and probably just live the rest of her life without a husband. And instead, God had a different plan. Instead, God decided to bless her for her faithfulness and he opened doors for her so there's there's two things that brought reward and blessing into Ruth's life right at the right point in the right moment number one is this she worked diligently and without complaining now listen I don't know if she was out behind the house washing her hands and mumbling and grumbling on occasion but but scripture 
usually contains when people are mumblers and grumblers and complaining. And scripture doesn't ever say that she complained, but that she diligently worked and served her mother-in-law. That she diligently took care of Naomi. And it doesn't say that she complained. So the first thing is she worked diligently without complaining. The second thing was this. She was faithful to her word even when Naomi had nothing to give her. She served Naomi knowing that Naomi was too old to produce another son. That Naomi didn't have any other sons. And she decided in that moment, I'm not doing this because of what I'm going to get. I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. And in that moment, when you, when you line up your heart with God's, and you do something not because you're going to get, but you do something because it's the right thing to do, I want you to step back and watch as the Lord opens up the windows of heaven for you. Step back and watch as the Lord moves on your life. When we get our heart aligned with him, what happens in our life? Amen? So, so she, was, she worked diligently and she was faithful to her word, even though she, she figured and knew uh, as, as much as she thought she knew that she would not get a return for her labor. She figured that, but it was the right thing to do. Naomi had told her to return to her people, and she had looked Naomi in the eyes and said, no. Naomi said, you go on back to your gods, and she looked Naomi in the eye and said, no. She said, you go serve those false gods and go find you a husband and, and have somebody take care of you. And she looked Naomi in the eye and said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going with you, right? Scripture says this, that Ruth was more faithful to Naomi than seven sons. Do you know the value that culture at that time placed on a son? The value that culture at that time placed on a son was, was immeasurable. Immeasurable. And the scripture said that she was better to her mother-in-law than seven sons. She served her well. She served her diligently. She found her purpose in serving Naomi. And in her purpose of serving Naomi, God looked back and said, mm -mm -mm. I'm about to bless this one. I've got something for her. I've got something for her. Amen? Amen. So these two things worked into her life. Diligent work for the kingdom and faithfulness to your commitments place you in position to receive favor and blessings beyond what you could imagine. Diligent work for the kingdom. Faithfulness to your word and your commitment put you in position to, to, to receive what, whatever God can imagine, not what you can imagine. Because how many of you know our imaginations fall far short of what God imagines for us, right? Our desires and wants fall far short of what God's desires of our life is, right? So, so God, uh, it's his imagination, it's not ours. So no, now listen, how many of you know women are women, right? Naomi plays a little matchmaking. I believe it was the Lord nudging this, this, this woman. But Naomi plays matchmaker a bit for Ruth and Boaz. She, she knew that she was older and she needed to hurry up the process. Right? She said, she said, I need to hurry up the process. I see, Lord, what you're doing here, but I'm going to try to hurry up the process. I'm going to move and see what it is. So it was customary in this season for a close relative to redeem a widow and the estate of the relatives who have passed. It was customary during this time 
So Boaz being a relative of Elimelech's, it was customary that he would redeem it. But this is the problem. There was a closer relative than Boaz. There was someone who was closer in the relative line than Boaz was. So Boaz had to do the right thing and offer the estate purchase to a closer relative, even though in his heart, he knew that he wanted nothing more than Ruth. In his heart, he knew that he wanted nothing more than to redeem her and see her come back from the ashes and see her come back from where she's been and the hard work and the things that she's toiled and been through. He wanted to see her redeemed from that. So he offers the estate uh, to the other man, and the other man says, sure, I'll buy the estate. And how many of you know Boaz kept some stuff in his back pocket? He said, okay, uh, great, it's your right to do so. You buy the estate. However, just know this, you've got to marry Ruth, have some sons, and those sons have to share in your inheritance. And then the guy said, whoa, well, wait, well, maybe I don't quite have enough funds. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to mess with my inheritance. I don't want anything to, to come in and disturb my inheritance and, and the heirs that I've already got. So, you know, maybe it's best that you do it, Boaz, and not me. Right? So at first he was willing, and then when he found out the total cost of what it meant to redeem them, he backed up and he wasn't willing anymore. So in this moment, Boaz knew in his heart that he was willing. He was willing to pay whatever the cost to redeem Ruth and to redeem Naomi and to redeem their estate and to redeem the land. He was willing to pay whatever it cost. Ruth 4.9 says this, And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. What was he doing? He was restoring some riches back to Naomi. He was restoring some wealth back to Naomi. He was redeeming her. And then he says, may your house, or the elders said this to Boaz after he made the transaction, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. Now listen, we're, we're digging into generations now. The elders looked at him and started to speak generationally. How many of you know there's times in our life that we need to look at our kids and speak generationally? Right? There's sometimes that we correct their behavior in the moment, and then there's times that we speak to our kids generationally. What do you want to leave as a legacy, son, in a hundred years? What do you want your legacy to be? Do you want it to be what you're dealing with and struggling with right now? Or do you want to turn that over to the Lord and overcome that so your legacy looks completely different for your children and their children and their children and their children, like the song in the, in the scripture, The Blessing, right? Do we want it to look completely different? So there's times we got to talk generationally to our kids and generationally to our families. These are seasons that we've got to do that. And the elders were speaking generationally to Boaz. They said, they said, may your house be blessed like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah. Who was Judah? One of the original sons of Israel. Because of the offspring which the Lord gave you from this young woman. So Boaz, in verse 13, took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. She had lost a husband and lost a father-in-law and was willing to work the fields. And the Lord found favor on her in, her in her moment and gave her a wealthy husband and gave her a son. All of a sudden, life was redeemed 
for Ruth. All of a sudden, life changed for Ruth. The closer relative refused to redeem Ruth because he didn't want to share an inheritance with any offspring that that union would yield. Boaz was willing to share the inheritance with the offspring that came from the redemption of Ruth. This takes us back to the scripture we studied last week, Galatians 4, 5, that not only are we redeemed by our heavenly father, but he made us children. He made us his children and not only his children, but he made us heirs. Not only did God make you his kids, he has an inheritance for you too. Not only do you get the blessings of what relationship with the Lord is in this life and how he blesses you and returns to you and speaks to you and moves on you and gives you things and, and you move into situations of doors that he's opened and you only know that it was because of your relationship with God. Not only does he do that and you reap the blessings of relationship and benefit in this life, but we also are heirs and we get an eternal reward. Jesus died for his family. We said that last week, but Jesus died for his family. How many of you know how incredible that is? We are, we are family. My brothers and my sisters and me. Man, Gary and Juanita and Jess and I were sitting at dinner last night and we were talking and is Cajun here by any chance? Did you make it? So we were talking at a table and we were just sharing about what the Lord has been doing in this church and what the Lord's been doing in their life. And we were just talking back and forth and, and, uh, and Gary brought up a song that he had been listening to that was so powerful and was just talking about the lyrics of the song. And he said, I, I can't think of the name of the song. And there was this biker, biker guy kind of back behind us in the booth and he leans over and he goes, it's this. He said the name of the song and we turned around and we're like, oh, hey. And then we're like, well, thank you for that, you know, and then we went back to our meal and, and continued to eat. And, and I started telling uh, uh, Gary and Juanita about what the Lord did here Wednesday night. And I don't know if you missed Wednesday night, man, you missed it. We had such a powerful altar service. And man, we had a healing service and we've gotten reports of healing. And man, it was just, it was incredible, incredible word. If you missed that word, go back and watch it online. But we had an awesome service. But then I was telling them about last Sunday. And how last Sunday, how the Lord was just moving through this place. And so much so that people were just up kneeling around the altars and we had this quiet time before the Holy Spirit. You know, we were talking about that. And then all of a sudden, a voice behind us goes, what church is that? I'm like, well, all right. <laughs> so I turn back around. Start back around and start talking to this gentleman named Cajun, man. And we talked about the Lord and he shared about where he was from and and uh, we, we talked a little bit, and I invited him to church. And said he would be here today. He's not, but we'll keep praying for him to come be a part of the church. But he was so intrigued with the conversation. How many of you know that no matter where you're at, you have family? No matter where you're at, there's relatives around. Even when you don't know it, there's brothers and sisters sitting nearby, right? We have, we have relatives. How many of you are excited today to be an heir in the kingdom of God? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> for a purpose so let's look at the generations we're going to dig in 
for, for close, we're going to dig in to the generations that are affected by this decision in Ruth. So Perez, which was mentioned by the elders, they said, should your house be blessed like the house of Perez, right, with the offspring that comes from this union. So Perez was the son of Judah, who was one of the original 12 sons of Israel. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amenadab. I think I got that right. Amenadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon was the husband of Rahab the prostitute who hid the Hebrew spies and then left with them and was blessed for her service to the Lord and left the occupation of prostitution and married one of those Hebrew spies. God redeemed her. She served him, was faithful to him. He redeemed her and gave her a husband in Salmon, right? So Salmon and Rahab, who was the ex-prostitute, just so you know, I know I'm hitting on that a lot, but I just want you to know, Salmon, who was married to Rahab, who was the ex-prostitute, begat Boaz. Boaz was the son of one of the Hebrew spies who married Rahab, the prostitute, begat Boaz. Now, Boaz redeemed Ruth, the Moabite. And because Boaz redeemed Ruth, the Moabite, she has her own book of the Bible that we're reading today. So Boaz redeems Ruth, the Moabite, but let's, let's continue. So Boaz and Ruth begat Obed. Obed begat a man named Jesse. Jesse begot a man that we know as King David. In the line of Ruth the Moabite is King David. Hmm. I want you to look at Rahab. Look at Gomer. Look at the situation that Ruth found herself in. And then ask you your question. Can God redeem me? say so yeah yeah I think so now listen Ruth's redemption didn't come from her works I want to be clear about that her redemption didn't come from her works but her decision placed in her her her, her, her decision in that moment that we underlined earlier placed her in the right position and location to receive her victory. The decisions that you make will place you in the right position and location and time that God has preordained for you to get your victory. That's why. Listen. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. We got no excuse to not hear the word of God. All you have to do is spend time with him, get quiet before him. And for those of you who need it harsh, you need to shut up. 
need to get before God and just shut, shut, shut us thy moutheth, if you're King James, <laughs> and just listen. Man, <laughs> Sister DeBay was talking to me a few weeks ago, and uh, if you don't know, she was a missionary to China in the 50s. Is that right? In the 90s, you were a missionary to Japan as well. But she told me a story about underground Chinese churches. Underground Chinese churches that would meet, and it would be so dangerous for them uh, to speak out loud about where their next meeting would be that they refused to say it out loud. So everybody that was in that meeting would go home and begin to pray. They knew the date. They didn't know the location. They would go home and pray and depend on the Holy Spirit. Am I telling this right? They would depend on the Holy Spirit to tell them the location of the next meeting. And then everybody would just show up. Because they were listening to the Lord. Man, if they can do that in China, <laughs> under, under extreme persecution, and maybe when you're under extreme persecution, it, it fine-tunes your spiritual senses. And I, I know, I don't, I don't discount that. However, what if we pressed in? We don't have nearly as, not even close to the persecution of what the Chinese Christians have. What if, what if we pressed in and just asked God, where do you want me to be? At what position and location do you want for me, Lord? And then we come into opportunities where you can lead people to the Lord. You come into opportunities where you can change somebody's life. You come into opportunities where not only can you rock somebody else's world by sharing Jesus, but in that same transaction, it rocks your world because you get to be the benefactor of what God uses to change somebody else. There's, there's nothing more powerful than being used by God to see a life changed. So we need to seek God. So 28 generations after King David, 28 generations later through that same line of Ruth, 28 generations later, both Joseph and Mary emerge, and then Jesus comes. Boaz was Ruth's kinsman redeemer. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Here's, here's the big idea. This is, our, this is our take home for today. Ruth was diligent in working for the kingdom and faithful to her responsibilities. And for her words, she was blessed and favored beyond measure. She went from picking scraps in the field behind the people who picked the scraps of the field. Maybe you didn't get that. She, she was picking behind the people who were picking behind the people who were picking. She was last in line. You had the reapers who were getting the good stuff. And then you had the people that followed behind the reapers to pick up what they lost and dropped. And then you had her who was coming behind them to maybe get a morsel that was left behind. So she went from picking scraps in the field behind the people who picked the scraps in the field to marrying the man who owned the field. And not only marrying the man who owned the field, but birthing the child in the lineage of kings and king of kings. 
from that decision that you highlighted earlier on in the message, that she made the decision to follow Naomi. And now she's gone from scraps to kings. She's gone from picking scraps to being the mom of kings and having the lineage that God chose to birth his son, the king of kings. In that same moment where we started our message and I asked you to highlight and there was a, a moment of decision. And Orpah left and kissed her mother-in-law and went back. And Ruth decided no matter what she would get out of it, she was going to serve her mother-in-law and went forward. Orpah left and returned uh, to her people. And she ended up having four sons. Orpah's sons were Goliath and his brothers. Enemies of the kingdom of Israel. So Orpha birthed four giants, Goliath being one of them. And then Goliath was slain along with his brothers by King David, the great grandson of Ruth. What do you think might have happened different in Orpha's life? If in that moment of decision, she said, you know, Ruth, I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to serve too. But in that moment, Orpha went back. Ruth went forward. And then we see the clash of those decisions years later. We see the clash of those decisions that were made. Will you come help me, Miss Rhonda, right here? So our main purpose, I'm, I'm really struggling with moving uh, into February, because typically in February, I go into relationship series and, and we talk about single life and married life and relationships, but I really, 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 really feel the tug of God to continue talking about our purpose. And I really feel like we've, we've outlined our main purpose for the kingdom, but I haven't got past that. But our main purpose to the kingdom is to be diligent in our work for the Lord and faithful to whatever he asks us to do. That's our main purpose. So I think, <laughs> give me some more time to pray, <laughs> but I think we're going to continue talking about purpose in February. We're going to break the mold and we're going to continue to talk about purpose and see what God wants to do with that, okay? Would you stand with me today? So I had a conversation with my friend and mentor, Gary Thayer, last night around the table that our other new friend and brother, Cajun, was listening to. And we talked about because of our kinsman, Redeemer, Jesus, and what he did on the cross and by his blood that was shed we are now justified what does that mean that means that our sins are not only forgiven but they're erased and we are declared righteous we are declared holy the Bible calls us saints the 
Bible and God calls us his children. And that means that when we are justified from all of our past sins, that we are now innocent. Gary cried at the table telling me that last night. And I'm crying right now telling you that no matter what you've done, and it's covered under the blood, your sins are not only forgiven, but they're erased. And God in turn makes you innocent. How many of you know there's a difference between being forgiven and being innocent? It's a long stretch. I want to ask if, if everybody could just bow their heads and kind of close your eyes and just get along with the Lord for a minute. Is there, is there anybody in this place today that you've been listening to this word and you've been listening to this message and you, you, you today recognize and realize that you need to make Jesus the Redeemer, your Redeemer. You need to be redeemed by him and you need your sins covered in the blood and you need to be made innocent today for, for the charges that are against you. If that's you in this place, and today you recognize you need Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to lift a hand. You can lift it and, and you can put it back down after I, after I call on you. Is there any hands in this place that today I see those hands? Thank you. Anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Church, would everybody open your eyes? We're going to pray with open eyes. <laughs> and those of you who, who have raised your hand today, we're all going to say the prayer with you. And we're going we're gonna, to uh, uh, celebrate with you after we pray this prayer. So we're going to pray this prayer. And then when that prayer is done, I want everybody in this room to shout and clap and just like it was your loved one that just came back to Christ. Shout and clap like it's your loved one because it is. We have the same kinsman redeemer. We are family. With our eyes open. Father, thank you. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for making us whole. Thank you for not only forgiving my sins, but erasing my sins. Thank you, Lord, that although by my own right, I can never be called innocent. But because of what Jesus has done and my acceptance of that, I stand before God innocent of the charges. In Jesus' name, amen. Give it up. stuff and not have to cry so much we'll see we'll see where God goes from here church may God bless you 
May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he bless your household. And may your lost family members return to him. Those of you who lifted your hands today, if you don't have a Bible, we have them in the back. And if there's not enough there, we'll grab more out of the closet. But if you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible, not just those who got saved today, but anybody in the room, if you need a Bible, let those gentlemen know. Those are two of our deacons standing at the back door back there. Let them know that you need a Bible and they will take care of you. We want to put a Bible in your hands, all right? Church, I love you. God bless you. Have a great day. You're dismissed.